Hi guys, Paul Capon from the innovation community. Uh, today, I'm here with Adam Barkhorn, Head of Business Intelligence and Advanced Analytics at Merce Drilling. Uh, he focuses on the implementation of the, the BI and analytics strategy there, not surprisingly, um, and is also an avid champion for data-driven business transformation. Uh, great to have you with us, Adam. Well, thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. So I reached out to you for a very specific reason, but just for the, the members who don't know too much about you, can you tell us a bit about yourself in a, in a few words? Yeah, sure. I'll try to keep it short. Uh, so I'm currently the head of BI and advanced analytics uh, for Mercering. As you said, uh, we're stationed out of Denmark. Uh, we uh, own and operate a fleet of uh, offshore drilling rigs. So we drill for oil and gas uh, around the world. Uh, my job is essentially to bring data to all of our employees, uh, you know, empowering them with insights that will make them and their buyout company uh, more successful. Um, I originally majored in technology management, uh, where I learned how data and numbers could really be leveraged to, to kind of drive whatever agenda you wanted. Um, I also got a PhD from uh, Copic Business School in organization behavior and market theory. Uh, since then, I've really kind of stacked up uh, 15 years of experience in BI and analytics, uh, especially on the Microsoft technology stack. So I'm quite uh, tech savvy in that respect. Um, I guess you could say in that sense, I kind of work both sides of the aisle. Uh, seven years in consulting in the past five years uh, with, uh, with Maersk. So it's a tremendous asset uh, to me, but also my, my team being able to use the methods and the frameworks uh, that we typically deploy as consultants to extract how best to use data in an organization, which I've then developed a, a very extensive understanding of over these um, past five years. So it's still a, a massive joy uh, working uh, with data. Yeah, it sounds like it. And, and 15 years is in, in BI and analytics is no small feat. But where did your data career really start? Well, I originally started out in consulting in the early 2000s, uh, which is where the whole new BI uh, industry was taken off, uh, especially in Denmark, competing with some of the incumbents from you know, IBM and SAS Institute and the likes. And at that point, you know, with the Microsoft SQL Server platform that was um, really taking off at that point, uh, business now had access to, to very advanced technology at a much lower cost and also low kind of time to data, meaning we could implement things uh, much, much faster. Um, I not only learned the technical skill set, but more importantly, what it meant to be a real consultant, uh, being able to uh, deliver data that actually made our clients succeed through the insights that we created by our solutions. And I still remember those kind of time moments where uh, clients shared with us you know, how we help kind of buck the trend, uh, as I like to call it. So that's really where I started out. And from there, I kind of grew into it, um, moved up also, you know, through the ranks, um, becoming a senior consultant and, and, and so forth. Definitely. And you, you mentioned that you have quite a heavy technology background, but at this stage, what really interests you about working with data and BI? When I really hit the core of why I kind of love working with data, right? I mean, driving business value uh, in my early career is really about the technology. You're much younger than that and you want to play around with things. You want to create something. Uh, but, but now driving business value and making my clients, but of course, also my own organization more successful with data is, is really what interests me you know, these days. You know, quite often with BI and, and analytics solutions, they're kind of framed as neighbors or support systems whereby its impact becomes kind of diluted. It's difficult to really say, all right, well, we're seeing this improve in the organization. How much of that can we attribute to, to BI and analytics? 
but it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, it doesn't have to be this kind of behind the scenes mesh of technology and programmers and architects and testers and report developers. I really want to bring my skills to bear in organizations where it's really possible to almost calculate the return of investment or at least be able to accurately measure its contribution compared to the investment that it actually took. I see BI as an investment. And I mean, that's beyond BI is, is not necessarily a cheap endeavor. Uh, so I think it's really important for organizations to also kind of stay clear, making sure that they also fully understand that the business value they're driving should, to a certain extent, be, be, be matched by the, the investment being made. So, I mean, that's really what interests me these days, driving that business value, uh, bucking those trends or improving whatever it is that the organization uh, sets itself to, to improve on. For sure. And, and I think that in you know, the most recent years, we're talking about things like AI and machine learning, but if you don't have good data going in, then it just becomes a, you know, a, a fad, a short-term cost reduction scheme at best, um, and at worst, just uh, throwing money down the hole. So I think that it's, it's really important that those structures are in place and to go from BI to analytics to, to the more machine learning driven approaches as well. Um, yeah, like you said, 15 year career, what are some of the major successes you've achieved over that time? Well, I'm only in my late 30s, so uh, I think and hope that I'm yet to enjoy my, my greatest successes, but uh, yeah, everything being uh, relatively uh, speaking, they, I guess the ones that really stand out are not necessarily the biggest solutions, the ones with huge budgets and you know, you know touching the lives of 15,000 end users or even a chance to play around with the latest technology either, although that's also very, very interesting and very, very rewarding and really also you, you learn so much from that. What is true reddish are the ones where we've been able to, coming back to what I was talking about before, uh, where we've been able to directly link uh, the solutions that we created to the insights that was generated and then ultimately the impact and business value that it generated. I refer to it as kind of bucking the trend. Um, you know, in my career, no matter who I've delivered BI or even smaller pieces of analytics to in my career, They've all had a, a number that was crucial to them, a, a key metric. Uh, and whenever I've been able to assist them in gaining insights using data to improve on that number, then that's when I know that I've succeeded. And that is kind of also what's kind of been keeping me going all these years, uh, seeing that direct impact. Um, so it's not just something, like I said before, that takes place behind the scenes. It's not just a question of, Delivering information, delivering dashboards that will show people, right, so this is where you are today, but also giving them some more detailed insight on what actually happened. Why are you where you are today? And more importantly, especially with AI analytics, which you mentioned, Paul, you know, what direction are you headed in? And why are you headed in that direction? Even, you know, if we really take it to the holy grail of AI and analytics, what do you need to do to improve? What do you need to do to safeguard uh, that behavior that we're seeing now, uh, positive development, also be a negative one, of course. That's really what uh, that's really where it kind of kicks in for 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 me. And those have always been some of the major successes, at least in, in my career. Yeah, and and, and you mentioned that is um, you know you're only 39, and there's still plenty more to come. Which uh, you know I, I I like the continuous improvement attitude. Um, Throughout your career, tell me about a time that you affected change in a major organization and also some of the challenges that came with that. Sure. Yeah. So that's a, that's a very good question. Um, I can think of a number. 
of, of different uh, situations. Uh, early in my career, I, I helped architect a BI platform that would be based on real-time data. And it would be based on a relatively cost-effective uh, technology setup. Um, but at that time, to do real-time BI reporting, you needed some seriously deep pockets. Uh, but with this technology, we actually um, thought, well, you know, maybe we can, maybe we can make this work. Um, and, and once we got it working, the, the, the results were simply amazing, and the feedback from end users was very, very positive. You know, you had completely removed that whole data retention issue, which is so crucial uh, when dealing with with many forms of, of BI, especially within operations and supply chain, inventory, and also certain aspects of finance. Uh, there you need to know right away. Uh, it wasn't just a technological change, uh, but it basically meant that the organization was able to respond to the issues uh, as soon as they occurred. And that more than made up the investment and the cost of operating uh, this piece of machinery, uh, this really nice gadget uh, going forward. Now, I mean, granted, real time shouldn't be applied all the time. Uh, don't get me wrong. There are definitely domains where you need to analyze your data, you need to transform it, you need to... Uh, interpret it, uh, spend some time on that before you start reporting it, and then you want to lock it down. You don't want, as you just said before, you got poor data sometimes coming in. While you don't want that poor data hitting your end users right away, you need to make sure you got your different uh, floodgates set up to prevent that data from uh, moving forward. So again, in that case, real time um, wasn't always um, the way you want to go forward and go about your things. So real time in that sense was definitely a, a total uh, game changer, but it wasn't easy. Obviously, there was a technological aspect of it, getting that thing up and running. Um, we went with some proprietary uh, software back then, but again, it was very, very cost effective compared to, to uh, other more dominant technologies out there. So the main challenge is top of working with the cutting edge uh, cutting edge technology uh, was really um, making sure that we kept our sort of senior management, our stakeholders and business executives, keeping them motivated because this wasn't done in an afternoon. This took time. We were constantly asking them to also champion the technology and champion what we were trying to achieve with it. And they were sponsoring it, although they had yet to see the successes we argued that it would eventually deliver. And that was a, a, a huge challenge, uh, keeping, them, um, keeping them kind of flowing and keeping them happy as well. Because, I mean, the invoices are going to start coming in and they're going to see cost um, uh, mounting, but they're, of course, yet to see uh, what are we actually delivering with this. And we were, I believe, from what I remember, a little bit delayed as well, as you quite often are when dealing with, with cutting-edge technology. It always has its surprises, unfortunately. But, I mean, we're, we succeeded uh, eventually. And the last I heard, uh, they're basically unable to, to function without it today. So now it's just a way of their just such a permanent core way of, of their uh, way of working. Mm. So that's, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the, the, the key ones and definitely one of the key challenges that we had. Absolutely. You touched on, on two elements I want to expand on there, both technology and, and senior leadership. How are you currently leveraging technology to your advantage? And you mentioned that when you, when you implemented real-time data, that was, um, was a, you know, a project quite new at the time. And obviously that's relatively commonplace now. So, what effects will technology have over the next few years, in your opinion? That's a really great, great question. Uh, really something I'm extremely focused on um, these days. Well, you know, business will continue to have a high demand for corporate BI reporting. They always have. They always will. Um, supporting the business on a day-to-day -day basis. Basically showing 
people and where are you today and what happened yesterday. But what's becoming kind of increasingly important, especially with rapid change of routine from the digital uh, hemisphere as well, is basically this ability to reduce the time to data. I wouldn't say that we've grown increasingly impatient, uh, but there's no doubt also with the agile development movement, there is this growing sense that we can't just sit on our hands. We can't wait for too long. We, we need answers now. Uh, so, I mean, basically from you receive the request, how fast can you deliver on that? I mean, if it takes you two weeks to deploy a solution that has already been uh, tested by business, vetted, you know, everybody's happy with it, then that's not going to work. You need to have that solution in their hands, ideally within minutes. Minutes after they sign off on it and say, yeah, this is great. Now, please, can I have it? Then, I mean, you, they can't wait for lengthy change management processes. They need that stuff uh, out there uh, as soon as possible. And so a BI platform should really be as nimble and agile like a Formula One car. Uh, it should move around like a, like a big bus. So, I mean, moving towards continuous integration and deployment is a big thing. And, but luckily with the cloud services, that is becoming increasingly more affordable uh, and doable to achieve, even for small organizations. You don't need to be a massive output with a sort of massive uh, um, um, organization with maybe you know, 100 uh, people in your IT organization. Uh, you can do that with a relatively few, few people and relatively uh, few funds as well. So the, the second one, obviously, is, is AI, especially machine learning. You mentioned that as well, Paul. Um, you know, we've all heard about how you know, Facebook is using technology to identify fake news and how Google can predict epidemics and, and funding. Uh, they even offer this service uh, free of charge. Uh, we're also hearing about how the automotive industry is using AI to create these driverless cars. Uh, and, and these are all great lighthouse projects that really kind of demonstrate the, the possibilities of, of technology and can definitely serve as inspiration as well for, for many others. But we're not all as resourceful as or Facebook or, or Tesla, whatever. Uh, for, for, the, for the other half, uh, so to speak, uh, we've accumulated vast amounts of data, which we're not always really sure what to do with. So, I mean, there is uh, quite a big challenge there, even though we have all the technology at our disposal. It's there in the cloud. You swipe your credit card, hook up your data, then you know, at least on paper, you should be, be pretty good to go. Uh, but so that is definitely uh, one of our core challenge, but also I believe one of the effects that technology will have, will have on organizations in the coming years. It will eventually, once we kind of understand what we want to do with that data, it becomes so much easier to work with it. It becomes easier to build even very advanced solutions. You don't necessarily need to have a team of 15 dedicated uh, data engineers or data scientists that can program uh, Python or build everything from the ground up. No, you don't necessarily need to do that anymore. Um, basically, you've got that technology and it's matured to such a state now that, I mean, really, uh, you can... You can you can deliver some really, really great pieces of analytics, even very advanced stuff, just using um, standard technology. And, and that has really come a long way just the past couple of years. And I only see that going one direction. That will just be more of it. Um, and also probably easier to work with. Perhaps even to the point where you'll have advanced analytics as a service in your organization, not just BI. Uh, and that will be a... a I think a game changer for a lot of organizations, especially as we've accumulated so much data um, uh, over the past years. 
Yeah, you brought up some some really great points there. And I think that your, your term, the other half, so we're not all Amazon, we're not all Google. We don't have that that massive manpower mm-hmm. behind behind our organizations. And, um, you know, you mentioned that a lot of people are just trying to focus on getting getting the right data. And a lot of data management and IT professionals, are, are this is their main focus right now. I don't think there's going to be people, those people are going to be going out of a job anytime soon. You know, one half of IT is technology. The other half is information. You need good information going in to get a good output and then you can move on to that next level. Um, the other point you mentioned before was about uh, getting senior leadership engaged. So what are some of the ways that you, you engage and communicate with the team? Well, to make sure we're focusing on the right things, making sure that we deliver um, business value above everything else. Uh, we're of course, we, of course, have a pretty solid uh, governance model, steer co um, and a group of champions as well. A lot of people are very, very vested, very, very interested in what we can deliver. And of course, that also means that we have all the means, but also the processes and the people to kind of identify the projects and the initiatives that we need to drive. Um, BI can turn out to be a bit of a super tanker. Uh, it can be kind of difficult to kind of change direction on it. Uh, but, but really the, the, the crucial bit here is, especially with the rapid uh, pace of change that we're seeing, especially also in, in our industry, is to make sure that we've got a setup and we have a direct line of communication or liaisons we can work with where we're, we're able to pick up on exactly what do we need to focus our attention on. Uh, so a lot of my work is also talking to people, uh, hearing about their uh, pain points and hotspots, uh, but also working with them directly uh, to make sure that we mature those ideas to such a state that we can actually implement it. Uh, I mean, this is one thing that we quite often tend to forget that you'll, you'll encounter uh, lots of people with great ideas, but if you don't have the data to kind of support your idea, then you need to start somewhere else. Uh, so a big part of my job is also to say, you know, let's just uh, pause that idea for now. And we need to kind of uh, go deep into making sure that we address the first challenge, and that is to start designing and building that data before we can even think about um, applying BI and, and hooking up uh, analytics to that. Um, yeah, so that's, that, that's typically um, uh, how we do it. A lot of communication, a lot of conversations around it, no doubt about that. And also at times heated arguments about, you know, uh, what should we kind of prioritize? Because uh, there's no doubt that demand is always very, very high um, from a lot of people. So at, at the end of the day, it's always a kind of a question of also making sure we prioritize correctly allocate our resources um, to the proper objectives. Absolutely. And I think this is, this is what really interested me about, as you described it, the data analysis quagmire. And, and this is some of the ways to break through from that. Of course, there'll be a, a link in the description uh, to that article uh, that, that Adam wrote. Um, you know, you, we talked about a lot about the success, the impact you've had. Uh, what was the biggest mistake that you made during your career, in your opinion? Yeah. Yeah, I was afraid you were going to bring up that question. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's a very good question. We learn a lot from our mistakes, of course. I think really uh, I've got too many to count. But I think it's a, uh, what I want to talk about, I guess, is really uh, I think it's a mistake that a lot of us BI professionals, we all make. And that is we don't always make sure to ask the right questions uh, during the early phases to ensure that the solutions that we eventually end up delivering actually deliver some, some lasting impact or uh, business value. I mean, we often tend to show up with a pen and a pad and then start, you know, jotting down all the business requirements that business can raise. And then we turn to our desk, we design solutions around those, and we work with our ETL developers to deliver solutions um, 
and have those deployed so people can start working on it. But in doing so, you're kind of making a couple of big mistakes. I mean, firstly, you're assuming that business people or even your business executives that you're talking to have actually ensured that those requirements are aligned with the objectives of the organization that we were just talking about before and, and, and that they're set up in such a way that they will truly deliver business value. But that's not always the case. Um, instead, you need to start asking other forms of question where you kind of address their pain points and the hot spots and some of the core challenges that they're facing. And with a lot of people, I mean, they, they, they feel sometimes a form of frustration within themselves. They feel I have this issue, but I'm having difficulties also articulating what that really is. So in that sense, there is, I've always claimed there's an element of a therapy in, in, in the, way we, the way we work and, and the work that we actually do, because before we can even deliver solutions, contribute with inner insights, we need to understand what is the core challenge here? And that's not always a very easy thing, especially, and this is the second thing, I guess. Secondly, with, with AI and advanced analytics, uh, this issue is simply compounded uh, by the amount of data, and it's, it's just far more exploratory in nature than, for instance, your run-of-the-mill BI corporate solutions. Um, I mean, here, you should probably assume that business does not always know what they want to achieve. And, and therefore, you need to take a completely different approach to extracting that information, working with your organization before you can even dream of implementing anything. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, that requires patience. And it, it's a topic I also addressed in a, in a recently published article on LinkedIn, uh, the quote that you're referring to as well, Paul, where I kind of refer to this as being uh, um, a very, very uh, big issue for a lot of organizations. I know I'm claiming it, but... Uh, this is definitely what, what, what I'm witnessing and also what I'm hearing from my peers. We're sitting on all this data and we have access to all this great technology. I mean, the big technology providers such as Microsoft and others, they're, they're marketing technology at a rate that far exceeds how to, to consume it and actually work with it and eventually deliver value because that takes time. Um, so, uh, no doubt about it. that's probably some of the biggest mistakes that at least I've made and I guess also continue to make. I'm making those uh, assumptions that, well, obviously, business, they know exactly what they want. All I need to do is, all I need to do is you know, show up and start writing down their business requirements and they'll deliver solutions to that. But that's not always the case. And you'll know if you do your proper feedback on that, following up and ask yourself, well, have I actually delivered any business value with the solution? And quite often, I think Garden also did a study a couple years ago that actually showed, well, you know what? Not all BI solutions actually end up delivering the value that, um, that they envisioned. And if I think for BI analytics, I can't remember the, the actual number, but for BI analytics, it's, it's even worse. Uh, for advanced analytics, especially on AI, it's you know, like 80% of the projects, they actually fail to deliver uh, on the original visions that they had for it. That's because it's difficult. Not because people don't know what they're doing, but you, again, you got to spend more time on engaging your organization and having that crucial dialogue about what exactly do you hope to achieve? What is the value that we need to deliver? Absolutely. And, and it sounds like you've learned a lot from, from that mistake. I think when you talk about the data on it, it's quite quiet. This is something that's, that's a challenge that's facing a lot of organizations, big and small. Um, so I, I think that's key. Uh, the last few questions there, we call it the quick fire round. So you'll have about a minute to answer each one and then we'll move on to the next one. So uh, best of luck. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you ever received? Uh, seeing is believing. 
it captures kind of the essence of how to promote innovation. And for me, at least, it's been true in whatever role that I've had in my career. It's not rocket science and really a classic consultant mantra, especially when trying to promote AI machine learning as new tool, tools to, to solve issues with a markedly different risk profile, as I just mentioned before, than your more traditional corporate BI reports and projects. I mean, that's when the whole agile approach to prototyping is essential, not only to show the potential, but in doing so, but, but also securing the support and sponsorship of, of the stakeholders and eventually your users who are footing the bill for this. And who is your favorite thought leader or author or influencer in this field right now? So actually, uh, I, I don't have one in, in, in this particular field. I actually try to get my influence from completely outside of, of, of the industry to get another perspective on it. Uh, and so I'm an, I'm an avid uh, motorsports fan, especially uh, Formula One racing. And what I love about motorsports, or any sport for that matter, is that it's so easy to measure your degree of success. I mean, for all the complexity and advanced technology and the cost of running a uh, Formula One team, to be successful, you need to win races. And ultimately, you need to make sure that you win more than your competition, so you end up holding that championship trophy in your hands. Now, the most successful F1 team we have these days is the Mercedes-AMG uh, Petronas team which is headed by an Australian guy called Toto Wolf. He's not much older than me, uh, but I'm a, I'm a big uh, fan of him. And, then, you know, under his leadership since 2014, I think, he's just on the verge now of, of making his team more successful than even Ferrari or, or McLaren. And what I like about him is that he's very, very humble and he kind of acknowledges that to succeed, you need uh, a, a great team with a great talent that's kind of aligned uh, towards this one objective of winning. And as you know, modern-day organizations can be quite complex, and so are their strategies and objectives. Ask around in any major organization, how many can truly say that they truly understand and can explain what the strategy is and what their objectives is? But more importantly, can they all say that they know exactly how their job is contributing towards being successful? Obviously, I don't know the answer to that, so it's really just kind of a, a, a hunch I have at times as well. But with so much complexity and the sheer pace of, of change that we're seeing, I wouldn't be surprised if many struggle actually to, to make sense of their own contribution. So, you know, key to succeeding here is being able to explain when are we actually a success? What does, uh, what does good like in whatever organization we work in? And that's kind of where uh, this guy, Toto Wolf, uh, is a massive inspiration. Because to him, success is never really, never comes down to the same individuals, let alone the the team principal, the manager is really about forming that right group of, of, of people coming together and, and being aligned. So that was a relatively long answer to your question, but still, uh, I think that's uh, definitely a great guy to follow and, and hear what he has to say about things. Yeah, it sounds like he has a, a great mentality. Uh, last question I have for you, Adam. What advice would you give for aspiring leaders in BI and data? Hmm, good question. Um, you know, I'm not sure I've yet earned the rights to be dishing out advice uh, to my peers, but of course, try and take a stab at your question. It's a great question, though. Um, and I, I think I've already alluded this to this several times previously. Uh, you know, don't get caught up in the promise of technology and the abundance of data. It's uh, quite easy to just jump on that bandwagon. Uh, and there's no doubt, I mean, combined with uh, understanding what you really need to deliver, how to do that, then you can achieve some sort of fantastic things because you can't do it without technology or let alone your data. But, you know, to, to finish first, you first have to ensure that you know what value you want to kind of drive with data. 
I cannot stress this enough. Uh, you know, what are the hotspots? What are the pains of your organization? Making sure you deliver towards that. Talk to your business executives, but be aware that be just be aware. Even though you're talking to very senior people with a massive track record, a lot of experience, they may not know either uh, what they really need to achieve. They may not know exactly what those hotspots are. They can maybe not always at times articulate it, which comes as a surprise to, to a lot of people. And in those situations, again, we coming back to the whole AI and advanced analytics. That's actually what you you'll, you'll see more often than than not that you need to take a completely different uh, approach, much more agile approach to identifying the value that you need to drive with, with data and, and the insights that that your organization can probably derive from it. So again, really being patient about it. Uh, technology is great; you got to have your toolbox. The same goes for your data, but first you got to know exactly what you need to drive with that. And when you're just starting off on that career trajectory, a trajectory that, of course. It's all about the technology, delivering something, really playing around with it and showing what you can deliver. But at some point, you also got to keep asking yourself, am I delivering the right value through these solutions? Yeah, articulate the challenges and don't focus too much on the technology side. Great advice from Adam Buckhorn, Head of Business Intelligence and Advanced Analytics at Merstrelin. Adam, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. Great to be here. Thank you.